What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone welcome into another episode of kentucky daily a daily podcast covering your university of kentucky wildcats i'm your host sean smith joined by my co-host Derek terry of the cat's paws uh Derek, we're back at it again another episode uh quite a bit to talk about today uh maybe not all uk inclusive but uh we'll be doing our first mailbag edition on this show yeah, this will be the, the very first mailbag. I think we have four questions to get to in the mailbag, which we'll get to somewhere around the, the middle of this episode. Uh, Derek, before we get started with what we're going to talk about, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Do you think John Calipari can throw a football spiral 35 yards? Because he said on the Dan Patrick Show this morning that he can do it in, in a tight spiral. He said that. Um. I'd like to see that on video before making any uh, – 35 yards is, is a pretty good throw for a man his age to be able to take a uh, full-size NFL – that's what he said, right? NFL-sized, college size. I think they're yeah. the same size. Yeah, but, he uh, said no. He told Dan, he said, no, nah, I'm not talking to you that Nerf football stuff. He said, I'm talking a real football. And then Dan Patrick countered with that he can throw one 45 yards. And Cal was like, there's no way. Yeah, that's less believable. 45 yards from Dan Patrick. I believe that Cal can throw it 35 yards before I believe that Dan can throw it 45. Uh, he might throw it 35 yards, but the tight spiral part, I don't know. <laughs> Let's. I I think that we should uh, get to see that at some point. They need to get Cal. You know, Cal needs to get their quarterback. They need to put Joel at receiver and put Bruce over there at DB and or Tony Barbie whoever wants to and see how it goes. Go over to the uh, old Tim Couchfield on UK's <laughs> campus and. Let's just test these theories out on how far Cal Perry can throw a football. And, Derek, we talked about this, I think, maybe last week, that Cal's interviews sometimes go off the rails, and this one went off the rails before it even started. I don't even think he he knew that they were recording because you could hear him eating his salad. And then Dan was like, all right, let's start this, start this all over. And he said, we're joined by Kentucky coach John Cal Perry. And Cal's like, wait, were we recording? And it's pretty funny. So uh, if you haven't listened to that, you can find that interview with Dan Patrick. It's like 12 minutes long. We're going to break down some of the parts of that, Derek. Cal also went into detail about how the 2020-21 season should be played as far as how long each individual pod will be. I think he mentioned a week-long pod, and then teams take a break for a week, and then they come back two weeks later maybe to a different setting or the same setting. I'm not sure exactly what he was re- referencing, but – that they play a week, they don't play a week, and then they pick up play again. So Cal offered a lot of solid content and a lot of solid scenarios for college basketball to be played. But speaking of solid, Derek, the Wings Day at the Butcher's Pub, yesterday in Williamsburg, they had a water leak. So they're extending Wing Wednesday to Thursday. So now if you're in the Williamsburg area today, make it out to the Butcher's Pub location there. 
They're still ha- having Wing Wednesday, which is now Wing Thursday. You can get all those delicious flavors that Derek named off yesterday, including the zombie sauce. And in Palmville, you can check out the Butcher's Pub there for their daily specials. I know Monday is Burger Day, Derek. I'm not sure on all the other specials, but we're going to get those out there. But if you need to find specials, you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook to find all their daily specials. It's $2 domestics again in Williamsburg today to go along with those wings, Derek. So uh, Wing Wednesday is extending another 24 hours in half of the Butcher's Pub locations. Well, I would argue that this is a better day to have it. You know, it's the start of the NFL tonight. You get the uh, Texans and Chiefs playing. Go down to the Butcher's Pub, pick you out some wings couple beers, uh, watching football. That's what I know. That's the thing that's happening tonight. you got college football. you got NFL football. What are you most looking forward to about this first really big weekend of football, Derek? I know the ACC is going to be in some action and stuff. What are you looking forward to? I think Notre Dame and Duke's a matchup that's playing. Louisville's going to be playing. So just uh, give me a game or two or maybe a team you're looking forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah, of course, at the local level, I'll be interested in watching Western Kentucky and Louisville. Western had been down for a little bit as a program, but had a pretty good bounce back year last year. And then, of course, Louisville, a team that at this point is in, even before, I mean, the other teams in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 opted out. Or, yeah, Big Ten, even though how many teams are in the Big Ten? Not ten. But uh, (laughs) either way, those two conferences not being there, there were people who thought Louisville was already a preseason top 25 team. So they were kind of the – the sweetheart of the college football uh, offseason, them and a few other teams. So that'll be an interesting game. I think the line set like around 11, which isn't a huge spread for a power five taking on a group of five team. But, you know, you mentioned a few other games. I would I would say Notre Dame and Duke. Uh, Duke's starting – one of the starting offensive linemen is the brother uh, of a U.K. commitment, David Wallabo, I think is how you say his yeah. name. I could be mispronouncing that. But his brother, unfortunately, I think tore his ACL. He did. He won't be able to play this season. But either way, the slate definitely looks better than last weekend. Still not a ton of great matchups. But, you know, this is kind of the first weekend, though, where everything's back. And Kentucky high school football starts back Friday night. Um Big game of interest if you're a U.K. fan happening in Lexington. It's Frederick Douglass versus North Harden. Four U.K. commitments in that game. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Um, but also you got the NFL starting the night and then on Sunday. So nobody likes hearing about other people's fantasy teams. I get it. But when you asked what I'm most looking forward to, that might be that. <laughs> Just watching the NFL <laughs> on Sunday and seeing how my guys do. It, it's definitely going to be exciting to get back to that. And just getting to this point where we see Power 5 football on this weekend is the big deal to me. Seeing the ACC in action, that's exciting. Uh, still have a couple of weeks until we see some SEC football and some Kentucky football. Uh, but I think the big story right now, Derek, is on the basketball side of things as of today. We talked about this yesterday where they wanted a 1,000 teams in the NCAA tournament. It was technically <laughs> going to be, I think, 340-ish, somewhere through there. 341 maybe might have been the number, uh, which would have been eligible Division One basketball teams. So ACC coaches proposed this plan. That is not happening, Derek. Uh, Dan Gavitt, NCAA, come out this morning and said, through via Andy Katz, and said, there are no current plans to expand the NCAA tournament field for 2021. So we can throw that out. If anything, Derek, I think it could be smaller and more condensed than it is, unless it's normal, 68 teams. Well, the ACC, the idea from Coach K and those guys is to bring attention back to college basketball. I guess they did that yesterday. 
but it was quickly squashed, like you just said, by the NCAA. And I, I tend to agree with you. 347 teams or whatever is just too many. Um, it seems to me, like we've talked about in the past on this show, the best way to go, I think, would be able to play it somewhere similar to how the NBA has done it in Orlando. If you could get some teams down there, maybe even like a week out in advance or whatever and get the testing done, get everybody in that bubble, let them practice a little bit. You can play a, a tournament quickly that way in one location and minimizing the teams would do that. And obviously it's going to, it's going to cut down. I don't know how they would select those teams. Um, but at the same time, I just, I never thought the 347 is really going to work. So uh creative idea, and it was a generous idea, I thought, by the ACC coaches, whether in reality it was ever going to work. Probably not, but they have time to figure this stuff out, though. I mean, not, it's not like a crazy amount of time you want to have a plan going in, but at the same time, it's not like they're going to be playing this tournament you know, next month. It'll probably be March at the earliest, maybe April. So take some time, work through this, see how things are uh, around the country at that point. Hopefully they can get something for these kids who, who didn't get to play in the tournament last year. So it's 347 was the number, right? Okay. I thought I don't know why I said 341. 347 so yeah. or 346, one of those. Two. Yeah, that that's way too many. I, the NCAA rarely gets anything right, but I think that they got this right. I just don't think that that was uh, – I don't think that that was feasible, honestly. I mean, you're already having a hard enough time figuring out locations for the teams that you're going to have, let alone just throw out all those teams – or throw all those teams in there as well. But John Calipari joined, we mentioned this earlier in the show, Dan Patrick this morning on the Dan Patrick show. And one of the first questions was his response to the ACC coaches. And he literally just bypassed it and said that he hadn't even given any thought. And he said the NCAA pretty much said, no, it's not happening. Uh, Some other things that Cal talked about, Derek, he wants non-conference games. He threw out that November 25th start date that the season has to start then. And he mentioned that they can push back the NCAA tournament, but they've got to start playing those games late November, especially non-conference games. He said that if it's a conference-only schedule, these smaller teams will – it'll be hard to survive. And, I mean, I get it. He he started at small schools. I, I know he gets that, schools like UMass. So what do you think about those things? Because it seems like, Derek, that – Maybe the only non-conference games might be some of these bigger matchups like the SEC Big 12 Challenge if they decide to bubble that or the Champions Classic. It's going to be hard to do anything other than just conference play. I think it's a good stance for Cal to take at the same time. Every school, even the Power Five, the biggest schools in the country are taking massive hits right now financially. I think it's going to be hard to convince a lot of schools to pay out big money for these games that are just basically buy games. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's not a, like everybody is being hurt right now. It's not just the small schools. I get what Cal's saying. Like those schools in a normal year are, I mean, they they do a lot. Like those, like they have to I get it. Like you have to play those games. You need that money because you're not going to make that money at small schools through fan attendance, through other things like the big schools do. So I understand why Cal has that stance, but there's just not a ton of money to be thrown around right now. And I think you're going to see – I mean, same deal with football, right? I mean, football, they just totally scrapped everything. Uh, most likely those games aren't going to be paid out. Those contracts are probably all – all the schools should be able to get out of those. So you'll be saving money that way. So I can't imagine in football if you were doing that for 
which the money amount might be more in football. I'm really not sure how much these basketball teams pay non-conference to play. But football, you're saving three or four games. So for basketball, I can't imagine they're going to add a bunch of teams to play just to pay out a lot of money to these schools. But I get why Cal's saying it. Uh, if you ask that to Mitch Barnhart, he might not be as enthusiastic about doing that as Cal is. Yeah, and two, Cal mentioned – when he was asked about how this season gets played, if it gets played, and he said, oh, college basketball is going to be played. Like he expressed confidence that it's getting done. Unless He said unless something crazy happens. He thinks that they'll have a season and an NCAA tournament. And he also mentioned this too, that when it comes to scheduling these games, he says they need, they need to be week-long pods. Uh, the NCAA, as far as bubbles, it needs to be week-long. They take a break and then do another one. So essentially, Derek, I may be thinking that you play a week, off a week, and then you go right into another bubble too. I don't know how – that obviously would have to extend the season. Probably March Madness might happen in April if you go that route because clearly how, I don't know how you're getting a lot of games, and you can't ask these guys to go out there and play like three or four games in a week-long setting and then take a week off. But then again, it's going to be hard to really get some chemistry going if you play a week, don't play a week, play a week, don't play a week. I I don't know what it's going to look like, but it does sound like there's going to be some scenario with college basketball being played, and it's probably not going to be – Derek, I think at this point, I don't know how many on-campus games people will have. I'm a little critical of college basketball as a whole because I just don't think it's a great product, to be completely honest with you. Um, Over the last probably – I don't know, five to six years, I think it's really been watered down. But you add this in <laughs> where it's going to be a, a, an irregular season anyway where you're going to have teams with positive cases. I don't know. It's just going to be a mess probably. And I think college basketball, like, yeah, you can be happy that they're going to play. I'm not expecting a very good product. And quite frankly, from UK's perspective, you can get some of your workouts in right now. It's a terrible year to have – like. How much of an advantage do we talk about it for the football team that they have essentially their whole coaching staff back and, what, like 18 starters back? Just a ton of depth. Guys have been around. We talk about how much that's an advantage for the football team. All right, we'll take it for the basketball team where you lose over 90% of basically your entire production. You have one player back from last season. I know these kids are talented, but, like, that that sounds to me like you could have some rough games at the beginning of the year trying to mold all these guys together. And then, too, you're you're talking about – you know, bubbling them into a, a situation or a location where they're not used to being, and then you get them in the same location. And we're talking about 18, 19-year-old kids, Derek, and yeah. you're taking them from campus to a bubble. It's going to be challenging for every program, though, not just Kentucky. It's going right. to be a challenge for Duke. It's going to be a challenge for all these programs because we don't know what this is going to look like. But for college basketball, we've seen the NBA clearly is better gameplay. It's Mm-hmm. Obviously, the players are more skilled. Uh, they're more seasoned. They're just better talent. They're more talent on the floor at once. Your tenth guy is good. I mean, that's just the, the way it is. And that tenth guy was a star in college basketball somewhere. But when you look at what the bubble's done for the NBA, it's made a lot of people. And I know they've lost some fans with uh, given some of the people that viewed it as more political now than just basketball. But I think too, Derek, that they've picked up a lot of people off the gameplay, like you mentioned that Boston-Toronto game last night. Uh, I don't know if we'd get as good a basketball if this were played on campus with or on site with fans. I feel like that this has really given the NBA 
a, an even playing field. Yeah. Just nobody there, and it's just these teams going at it. If you could get a situation in college basketball where you have some of the top teams like Kentucky, Duke, mm-hmm. and you bubble these teams in a situation in a place together, it could be good for college basketball. Yeah, I mean that's a good point to make. Um, I don't, I still don't think early in the year it'll be good. But if you do get in a scenario where you've been able to been able to play for a few months, played, I don't know, around twenty five games or so, that might be a little lofty expectations for games played. Um, I, I'm not really sure what it's going to look like. But that's a good point you make because someone last night, one of the either one of the in studio guys, or one of the broadcasters, I mean, was talking about in the NBA. There is no travel now. Everybody's staying in the same area. Everybody's eating similar food. You know, like a lot of the dynamics that change, and obviously the biggest is being on someone else's floor against that crowd noise. That's a good point. I mean, I don't know if in a normal series the Heat, you know, beat the Bucks in five games. So that is an interesting point you make, and that would be a way I think you could see some better college basketball. And I don't even know who some of the most veteran teams are this year. In college hoops, uh, I mean, I know Creighton was expected to be really good again. Gonzaga is always good, uh, and then you got some other schools. You know, seems like seems like kind of a a down year for the Blue Bloods last year. Kentucky wasn't as good as it had been, even though it still won the SEC by three games. But Dayton had a great year. San Diego State; those were teams you saw near the top of the polls all year, which was just kind of a kind of a strange year. So. I agree with you. Uh, to be able to do that, it could take away some of the things. And maybe some of the games you see UK lose typically early in the year uh, in the SEC on the road, if that doesn't happen, then, yeah, if you just go your best against their best in a neutral environment, Kentucky probably would still win quite a few of those games. Yeah, and, and to me, you know, covering UK and going on those road games, those are some of the best Kentucky basketball games is when they're on the road in the SEC when the entire arena is going crazy and you, you can feel the host, you know how hostile it is. Uh, I think I'll miss that this year because I think we can say that that's not happening. Uh, who knows what it's going to look like, Derek, uh, but it does sound like Cal's pretty confident that college basketball will get something figured out, and they, they still have some time. Uh, probably not going to have a big blue madness, though. If we do, it's going to be virtual, but what's the point, really? I don't know how they do that. The pro day is probably scrapped, too. I'm assuming I don't – there's a lot of changes. No blue-white game, a lot of changes coming to what it would be like in October. We're just going to be three or four games into football season and no basketball to talk about. It's it's going to be different. No exhibitions, anything like that. No, that's kind of the – I was just thinking about that the other day, just with football. Like, this would be – it kind of reminds me of being, you know, growing up, how it was where – used to of course it would start the season with Louisville but it's like back then as a kid I didn't always pay attention to all the preseason stuff and it was just kind of like around Labor Day you know Kentucky football was back on and the last few years on the job like you spend almost every single day out at the stadium so like you're around football a lot whereas this year obviously we've done no in-person interviews since spring practice in March um, we've not watched a fan day practice or an open practice like we usually get to watch. So it's like the familiarity with the team is it's good that we know a lot of the players because they've played before, but it's I think it's going to be that way on September 26th, though, when they show up at Auburn, where it's just going to be like it's back. Like it's the lead up is just here. So that'll be a, a cool thing. And for basketball, it's going to be the same way. There won't be as much familiarity with – you know, you won't see these guys at a pro day. You won't see them play exhibitions. It'll just be the first game, and however it happens that day, however they look, 
it'll be interesting to see how UK fans take that. Of course, they always expect to be really good. I think uh, given the circumstances this year, you're, you're going to have to expect uh, it might not always be pretty early on. And, and what an unfortunate thing, though, because I feel like given BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, this could have been one of the most exciting teams to you know get to Rupp Arena and watch. I know I've heard a lot of fans and some people that take photos too. Like there's some people that are like, you know, I, I hate that I might not get to take photos mm-hmm. of this team because Derek, they they have the horses there, uh, some of the top names. I mean, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston. I mean, I think we go into this thing thinking they're going to be stars. So, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that this team won't get a normal Kentucky college basketball season. Think about this too. I mean, there's a lot of guys there, Derek. They might never play a game in Rupp Arena. Uh, I think, you know, any guy who's graduating after this year, so Sar and Mintz, and then I see no way that Clark and Boston are back. But Mintz, another point I wanted to bring up is these limited things. When you're talking about, and I think it might be addressed in one of these mailbag questions later, so I won't talk about this a ton, but like it's going to throw off the NBA scouting type stuff too. So in either in a shortened season, I don't know if this would be a deal where some of these scouts are familiar with these kids from high school and some of their opinions have already been formed. Like there might be a case where no matter how odd the season is, there might be people who say, okay, B.J. Boston was a stud uh, out in California last year. Like he's a lottery pick. I don't care what he does at UK. Same deal for Clark. Whereas if you're in a spot like Keon where you really weren't on any draft boards last year, hopefully for his sake, opinions haven't been formed yet and he'll get a chance. But I just think – it's going to be a different year where I don't know how much guys will be able to play up in their draft stock, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and it sounds like, I think I read yesterday, the NBA draft now is being pushed to November. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're talking. So when is the next season supposed to start for the NBA? I think around Christmas is the date that's been mentioned is around Christmas day, somewhere through there, possibly starting. Is the plan to start late next year, play a shortened season, get it back to normal for 20, well, I guess that would be uh, 2022. 20, I don't know. You just, you know what I'm saying? Like, get rid of this I'm season. Assuming, I'm assuming that's it. But then again, when, when they look at this thing and they see that they're getting ratings in July and August, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Because they're getting something in a time where they're really – they don't have anything to compete with right now. Now we're moving into the NFL season and college football. There's obviously something to mm-hmm. compete with. But that month of July, I don't know. Maybe we see a situation where the NBA Finals is no longer in June and it's in July. I don't know. We might – instead of starting in October and November, maybe start it in December and just go like a month longer. I mean, That is a long layoff for any college player who gets done in April and might not get drafted until – August or so at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, and you're talking, and we're we're going to reach out and try to have Nick Richards and some of these guys on the show. It'll be interesting to ask them. I talked to Nick in May, and that was still under the impression, you know, the draft will be in October. And there was – I can't imagine what those guys feel like right now because you are you're, you would hope that by now you would already know Where if you're on a roster, you're in a G League or something like that. But, I mean, think of these guys like, you know, E.J. Montgomery and all those guys who might end up having to go a different route instead of the NBA. I mean, you're just sitting there waiting. And obviously you're losing money because you're not playing. So you have decisions to make if you're not going to be in the NBA. Do you sign with an overseas club? I don't know. There's a lot of things going on right now. But we do have a pretty full mailbag for me to have tweeted this out 
so early. Usually we'll do 24 hours, Derek. We'll give a 24-hour mailbag and let questions come in. But we have two football questions, two basketball questions. Let's start with the football questions. And this was a DM, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this was intended to be a mailbag question. If not, I think it's a very good topic. It says, uh, do we know who is returning kicks and punts this year for Kentucky football? Well, Derek, this goes back to what you said a few moments ago. Typically, we would have had fan day practice and definitely an open practice where we could have been watching to see who was going back and fielding punts when they go into those uh, those situations. Josh Ali returned some last year. I think that he's a guy that you'll probably see back there. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you got some guys there with speed, with Devonshire and some others. Maybe Michael Drennan. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there. What do you think? Yeah, if it's been explicitly said, I I don't remember uh, in the fall, but just from last season, Josh Ali, once uh, once Bowden became the quarterback, he returned punts. From what I remember, kind of tricky at times, filled in those punts. Um, what UK typically has looked for in the past is just a reliable guy back there um, to return punts. One guy who I don't know if he's getting work there now, but in high school was sensational at it was MJ Devonshire, who uh, believes set a national record or tied a national record for punt returns for a touchdown um, at his high school in Pennsylvania. So I, I do think it could be a way on either kick return. You know, Travis Tisdale is the name that's been mentioned. He's not been talked about a ton at the running back room because he already had the three guys from last year who have produced and have shown that they can play at this level. And then Judah McLean has just been raved about. So I could see that being a situation where they try to get one of those two guys, that being Tisdale or um, Judah McLean, some uh, some reps back there. I was going to mention McLean just because the the praise that we've heard about him. I mean, if you can get him a couple of touches a game in that situation, it'd be interesting. And I think, too, we didn't see this in a game, but I remember last year when we were at the open practice sort of midway through camp, I think they had A.J. Rose back there fielding a couple of punts. I don't know if that ever happens, but it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe that's a question that we need to uh, to ask Stoops for something coming up here. I think we'll yeah. get Stoops on Saturday. That's probably a question that needs to be asked is uh, who's working in at those positions. I mean, Derek, we're two weeks from kickoff, and we don't even know the answer to that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, surely they know the answer. But special teams has been weird this year because there, there's not a special teams coordinator to go ask. I mean, they're just kind of splitting it up this year. He decided not to hire a guy last year. Yeah. I mean, Dean Hood, you could have just asked him after a practice. He would have told you. Well, Eddie Graham was asked about the kickers the other day. With uh, Matt Ruffalo yeah. and Chance Poor, he was asked about those, and that's typically not a question that Grant gets. Uh, but then there we have another mailback question, too, for the football side. It says, I know Grant offensive coaches said they've been working on flexing offensive linemen across positions, particularly sliding some guys from tackle to guard. Did you get any personnel details on who was doing that cross-training on the line, and did anyone go from guard to center? Well, we know, Derek, that Darian Kennard – has slid over to the guard position. They've been working that in uh, because given the situation with COVID and some injuries, if if something were to happen, I'm not really sure who all would move around there, but we had Kenneth Horsey out from practice last week. So, I mean, Kennard we know has been sliding around. Any other names there? And then at center, who's behind Drake Jackson? Yeah, behind, behind Drake at center is Quentin Wilson, who I think they would be comfortable with for sure if he had to play. So I want to say, and I don't know this for sure, I want to say when Eli Cox committed, he's a redshirt freshman who we have heard 
absolutely nothing about, which is nothing strange for a redshirt freshman on a absolutely loaded offensive line. But I think when he was recruited, the idea was that he would be a center. Um, like you said, Kennard is a guy who is so versatile. He's practiced everywhere on the line. I think besides center, he's practiced at both tackle spots and then at both guard spots. And I, I thought there was a chance um, this year that if they really, if, if Flax was good enough coming in and he didn't get to come in for the spring, this was my impression if he came in for the spring, that you might move Kennard off of tackle into the guard spot. But he is so good at right tackle that it's probably going to be a situation where Flax would have to play guard this year. So I think Flax is a guy who's getting a little bit of training at both spots, tackle and guard. Um, besides that, though, I don't know if – I'm sure they're still practicing guys at those spots, but in terms of what we would probably see in a game, uh, I can't imagine they're going to be doing a whole lot of shuffling. I mean, you got Nasir Watkins, who can be easy to forget about because he's not part of that first five, but – He's been a – this be his third year as a depth piece at tackle. And yeah. if something happens to one of those guards and you feel like your line as a whole would be better if you move Kennard inside, I think I would trust Watkins starting a game at right tackle. Yeah, it sounds like the only way that we'll have some shuffle is if there is an injury or a COVID situation because those guys are locked in at those spots. And then, uh, Derek, I think we had – was it two questions on the basketball side? And it's pretty much recruiting, right? Yeah, so we got a question um, for you, Sean. We'll ask, uh, and the question is, do possible returnees from the current basketball roster affect the 2021 recruits more so than in prior years? And in parentheses, uh, this person said, I know this is mentioned each cycle. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but maybe a more full answer from you here. I think so. I think especially this year. So let's just go ahead and just run down who you know is not coming back. Uh, you're clearly not going to have Davion Mintz and Olivier Sarbeck, so there's two scholarships open. And then I think we can all assume that B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark is gone, so there's four. Uh, that's four for sure. Now, we know, Derek, it's Kentucky basketball. We can't just assume that that's the only four that's gone. I think if Keon – I mean, we mentioned this, uh, Keon Brooks, you know, possibly being a two-and-done. I don't know. We We have to wait and see. Uh, that could be a guy with a big year that leaves. We always know that there's going to be one guy that might emerge and maybe impress more than what we thought he could do. I think right now I would probably put that under Devin Askew just because we've had, we've heard from some reports that he's impressed and stuff there at the point guard position. So we can always assume that there's one guy that, that might leave. But I think so because I feel like that inside Isaiah Jackson, Lance Ware, I think that both of those guys will be back. We've mentioned Jacob Toppin. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked to Joel about that, so that's another guy. Uh, I do. I think that this could be maybe a recruiting class where you see four commits and then you get grad transfers to fill out the rest of your roster. Uh, I'll ask you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Um, obviously, you already have Hickman committed, and then Scott Clark, we don't know yet. Uh, sounds like he wants to stay in 22 Talking to Corey Evans the other day, he's not convinced of that. So potentially you could have Clark if he commits to Kentucky and he reclassifies, you could have him on next year's roster. Hunter Salas is an option. Um, just offered a big man, right, Musa Diabate. Yeah, we believe Musa Diabate. Is how you pronounce that. Uh, he just got offered. He's a forward. Um, so potentially one big man. But if you're in a situation where you know you're getting Ware and Jackson back, maybe you don't have to uh, – 
have too many high school guys, you could just go the grad transfer route again or the transfer route and fill out some more big men. But, Sean, uh, last thing we have right here, this question comes from David Wood, and it's for um, for basketball. So out, out of the high school players that have an offer, who do you think is the most important one to get for the 21 class? And this is a tough one, just because we don't really know the situation of around who's for sure going to leave. Um, obviously, they have Hickman already at point guard. And, you know, I mentioned a second ago for sure that Mintz is gone. And then Askew was the guy that I th- think that could surprise, so that you're obviously going to have to take another guard. Mm-hmm. Um, Salas is – Hardy's in that mix. Obviously, Hardy would be the most talented guy probably. But the most talented guy is probably not the most needed guy, if that makes sense at all. It feels like, Derek, that maybe a front court player would probably be the most important, given we just don't know. I mean, Sar's obviously going to be gone. If Isaiah Jackson ends up living up to his potential, Derek, we don't really know what his future holds. But you just hope nobody in that mold transfers with Jackson, Lance Ware. I don't think they will. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Salas. That's who I'm going to go with. If Clark stays in 22, mm-hmm. I think Salas would be huge for 21 at that guard position to get a, a point guard. A guy, Derek, that when we talked to Corey the other day, he mentioned that there's not a whole lot of separation between him and Jaden Hardy. No, it sounds like he's definitely a, a late bloomer type who has risen all the way to nearly the number one player in his class. But speaking of the, of the grad transfer out, this is the last point I'll make before we wrap up. Mintz is just the first grad transfer guard, right, since Julius Mays. I'm not forgetting anybody, am I? He is, yeah. So it seems like Cal has definitely been more lenient on big men. Reed Travis, Mace Sestina, Olivier Saar, all in consecutive years. If he's going to go that route, it seems like he's comfortable adding uh, big men from the college ranks who have proven themselves already versus maybe adding college guys. Like this was a year where Mintz made sense because you were having a reclassified point guard in. Whereas if you get back to the point where you're recruiting some of the top point guards in the country, which Sky Clark is, maybe you don't feel like you need to add uh, a veteran point guard for the backcourt. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. um, I'm with Corey. I've watched Sky Clark. The kid's so good that I don't see what a senior year of high school basketball would do other than just to be a senior in high school. That's the only thing that I think it would do. And we should mention – I'm uh, not sure when he's going to release his top schools, but he is releasing his top three today. So if if this episode gets out a little bit later, he might have already announced them. But I will tell you this, uh, don't be surprised if there's a school added to that list, maybe two. But let's uh, let's go for that top three. It's not going to be a top three, Derek. There's, uh, I'm hearing that there might be another another school added to that list. I don't know who that school is, but it could be a little bit longer than top three. Yeah, still no reason, I don't think, based on what we've heard, to suggest that you know, maybe these other schools aren't out of it, but it definitely seems like a U.K.-North Carolina battle at the top. If you ask me right now to make a prediction for him, I'd say Kentucky. I'm still, I'm still confident uh, from talking. I still feel like, uh, well, given Kentucky, I know this Kentucky still confident that they get Scott Clark. Uh, they're not worried. They're not panicking right now. I think this is just a thing that's coming down to the end here. Uh, North Carolina is definitely a real player, Derek, from everything that I talked to somebody yesterday. North Carolina has recruited their tails off with Sky. 
and actually offered Sky before Kentucky did, so they've been there the entire time. It'll be interesting to see, too, who's in there. You know, he committed to DePaul early on, I think maybe as an eighth grader. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where they fit into this. Uh, but just looking at his recruitment and everything, I would still pick Kentucky. And I, I think that Kentucky knows that he's a point guard. I've been told that that's what Kentucky's recruiting him as, not as a combo. It's more of a he can score the ball from the point guard position. So be on the lookout for Sky Clark to announce his top schools at some point Thursday. And we will be back to break all that down and more on the next episode of Kentucky Daily. We thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll see you next time.